After years on the road, Timmy parked the van and picked up the mic to bring you this podcast that features interviews with people from hardcore to hair metal. This is Talk To Me with your host, Joshua Toomey. What is up, everybody? Welcome to Talk To Me on Lost Anarchy Radio. This is episode 77, and on this episode, I speak to Chris Aiken of The Classic Metal Show. If you guys aren't checking out The Classic Metal Show, it comes out on your favorite podcast apps. It comes out on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher. You can also catch it online at The Classic Metal Show. Google it. You'll find it. Chris tells you all about it in this episode, but uh, he is a great guy. I think I got four words in. Uh, I just gave him a couple of topics and he just went for it you know he just talks and talks and talks but uh, Chris Aiken was a great pleasure to have on the podcast and speaking of other great pleasures we have a great iTunes review so my inner Aaron Camaro is coming out and we have a great iTunes review and I'm going to read it to you now Finney314 he or she says what an excellent podcast that goes by way too fast it feels like a conversation and the music played throughout the show is an excellent way to break it up Old, new, and maybe some songs you forgot about can be heard here. Keep it up. Thank you so much for the great iTunes review. And uh, if you guys out there want to, please head over to iTunes, hit that subscribe button, hit that rate button, and leave a great five-star review, and I will read it on an upcoming episode. These iTunes reviews are coming in fast and furious now that I've uh, continued to ask you for them. Thank you guys so much for heading over to iTunes and leaving those. If you want to connect with Talk To Me, make sure you're hitting us up on Twitter, Facebook, Gmail. Twitter is at talk to me talk. Facebook is uh, facebook.com slash talk to me talk. Gmail talk to me talk at gmail.com. I'm getting a lot of great feedback from all the listeners out there. And then I did want to get into uh, I was on a podcast recently. I, I, they asked me to record a question and send it into them. I wasn't actually a guest on it, but I got to rant for a couple of minutes about The Walking Dead on one of my favorite podcasts. And that podcast is called Bleed TV. Bleed is in B-L-E-E-D TV. Zach, Cash, and Jake over there at Bleed TV, they break down, obviously, television shows, but uh, they go Game of Thrones, uh, The Walking Dead, a great show called The Outsiders, and The Outsiders is how I found them, is because when that show came out, I was like, I wonder if there's a good podcast out there that that talks about The Outsiders, and uh, Bleed TV is what I came across. And so Bleed TV is one of those that I, I, you know, they're not in the metal community. They're not out there talking about metal all the time. So if you want to take a break from listening to all your great metal podcasts, such as uh, Decibel Geek and uh, Cobras and Fire, Off Our Meds, and The Classic Metal Show, and Talk To Me, you want to take a break from all that, head over to Bleed TV. Let Zach, Jake, and Cash know that you heard about them on the Talk To Me podcast. Those guys are great, and uh, like I said, they break down your TV shows like you've never heard before. And, you know, every time I watch The Walking Dead, Game of Thrones, Outsiders, you know, I can't wait for the day or two after to hear their recap. And they tell you so many things that you may or may not have known about the show or about, you know, the comic books or the books themselves or, you know, even with The Outsiders, they were interviewing cast members and, you know, they, they have a great show over there. So make sure you head over there and check them out. And now on to the Talk To Me cover of the week. And this week I'm going to play some Devil You Know with their cover of Eye of the Tiger. Such a classic song, such a great band. Howard Jones, you know, when when they did the uh, the, the, the Dio cover, 
in Kill Switch Engage. It was great. And now he's doing Eye of the Tiger by Survivor in Devil You Know. And I love it so much. And the Talk To Me cover of the week is brought to you by PuckHockey.com. And that's P-U-C-K-H-C-K-Y.com. Get yourself some Tom Hazard stuff, David Ellefson, 36 Crazy Fist, Bumblefoot, so much more. I believe they have some head PE stuff coming out soon. They've got flannels, hoodies, beanies, so much cool stuff. They send you great things when when you order. And when you order, make sure when you check out to use Talk, T-A-L-K, at checkout for 10% off your entire order. Yes, that's Talk for my listeners only for 10% off your entire order. So let's get to the Talk to Me cover of the week brought to you by Puck Hockey. And this is Devil You Know with Eye of the Tiger.
Hey, what's up? It's John Jameson from That Metal Show. Keep it loud, keep it proud, keep it talk to me, keep it girthy. So just as I was getting ready to record this podcast, Superjoint announced a tour with Battlecross. And uh, obviously, if you guys are listeners to the podcast, you know Haran of Battlecross was on just a couple of episodes ago, breaking down Pantera's Far Beyond Driven. I messaged him a little while ago. I was texting with uh, Haran from Battlecross about this, and uh, it was so cool to, to just sit there and say, hey, man, I just saw the tour tour announcement. That's so cool. He wrote me back like, man, it's amazing, and, and I, I can't wait for it. And actually, he'll be back through here in January, so maybe, uh, maybe him and I can break, sit down and break down any other uh, classic record if you guys enjoyed that Pantera Far Beyond Driven breakdown, let me know and uh, maybe Haran and I can uh, sit down and break down another classic record for you guys. And uh, speaking of classic things, classic metal and the classic metal show, look at that for a transition. I'm like a professional DJ over here. (laughs) <laughs> I'm a talking head at this point. Uh, we've got Chris Aiken on the show this week. And once again, a uh, huge fan of his show, The Classic Metal Show. Make sure you guys check that out. Him and his co-host, Neely, have a great show over there. They have a great chemistry. And if you want to just sit back, listen to two guys just uh, talking metal, talking uh, even politics, and, and talking all kinds of great world topics too. It's not just uh, focused on metal, but they play a lot of great metal. Uh, Phil Anselmo was just a guest on there, obviously one of my favorites, and hopefully we'll We'll get him on the podcast soon enough. So, without any more of my ramblings, let's talk to Chris Aiken of the Classic Metal Show. It's Kurt Weinstein from Crowbar, and you're listening to Talk To Me. It's always so funny when I have like other podcasters on, you know, it's funny when you hear like that voice that you always hear, but like you hear it actually interacting with you. It's always so strange. Right, and it's just a little bit different than what you hear in the output. <laughs> right, right. Cool, man. So how's it been going? Good. Busy. Always busy around here, but um, no complaints. Yeah. <clears throat> My day job, I work for the post office, so it's just been like that time of the, that time of the year, the package season, so it's... It's every day. It's a full truck, right? Exactly. I hear you. That's, we have a... Dude, that's such a weird thing. We have a bunch of postal workers that listen to the CMS. It's... We, we we have, I mean, we literally have characters that are postmen. Yeah. Like, you know, there's like four, four guys that call in regularly and they all work for the post office. <laughs> That's great, man. <laughs> well, see, what, what's, uh, what's so great about it is, you know, as soon as I clock in in the morning, I just put my headphones in. And, you know, I'm in the office for about four or five hours. So that's four or five hours straight listening to podcasts. And then then I go out to the truck and I've got a Bluetooth speaker and it's another, you know, three, four, five hours of a podcast. So it's, you know, it's, it's probably the perfect job to listen to podcasts. Sure. Other than mine where I sit on my couch all day. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Well, see, when I'm at home, like, I don't listen to them very much. Like, maybe if I'm, like, doing the dishes or something, I'll throw my, uh, you know, my, my Bluetooth headphones in and, and kind of listen to them. But uh, I don't really listen to too much when I'm at home. Yeah, I listen. I, I mean, I'm, I I grew up in the whole era of Howard Stern and then O&A and Ron and Fez and that, that, that era. And now podcasts have just replaced all that. And I literally have... On my phone and on my Roku and on on everything, I have some sort of a podcast player. <laughs> nice. And I just listen. That's you know, I'm more of a talk. Believe it or not, for as much as I deal with music, because I because music is work, I leave it as work a lot of the time. Yeah. 
and so I listen to podcasts constantly. I'm constantly listening to Rogan or Anthony Cumia or um, Bill Burr. Or, you know, I, I'm I'm just that guy. I'm you know I try to stay. I try not to make music. I'll just tell you the truth. I, I had a music magazine for a while. Okay. And when I had it, I got to where I hated fucking music. I just, <laughs> I couldn't stand it because it was always work. You know, anytime I listen to anything, it was, well, I got to listen to it because I got to write a review or I got to listen to it because I got to do an interview or whatever. And so now I don't listen to music quite as much as I used to, you know, just, just out of, out of more respect for music that I, that I want to still enjoy it and I don't want it to become work again. Yeah, that's the one thing when it comes down to actually doing a podcast and you interview a band and you want to talk to them, but you want to fan out a little bit. You want to be into what they're doing. And sometimes I get offered guests that I'm like, oh, I'd love to have them on. But then I sit back and think, I'm like, how much do I really know about them? And so then you have to study and learn and listen and everything. So it's it, it's kind of a like a double-edged sword sometimes when you get a cool guest. Sure. Uh, sometimes. I mean, sometimes... I've gotten so out of that habit of actually researching. <laughs> I used to be that guy. I used to be like, you know, if I was there, and I've done interviews with everybody, everybody from of all sorts of music, you know, whether it's Metallica or Ice Cube or um, Backstreet Boys. or I mean, I, I've interviewed the gamut. <laughs> and I used to study everything. I used to, oh, let me figure out what the Backstreet Boys are about. And I'm researching and listening to their old shit and whatever. And, um, you know, I did that for a while. And then at some point, I just started having conversations with guys. And now I don't even look it up. I don't, I, I generally look up what their album is called. Yeah. But, I mean, if you've heard any of my interviews, I very rarely go with the, oh, so you recorded with, uh, <laughs> this guy how was that yeah you know, that's just not my thing see Talk. i think with a lot of the bands that i interview where i'm like the super fan you know grew up listening to them like those those uh those bands that are like in that sweet spot of when i was 14 to like 19 you know like those guys i i don't even have to like study one bit i just you know turn the mics on and go and be like oh so back in uh back in 1996 when you did this blah 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 but i know that off the top of my head because as a kid all I would sure. do is read, you know, me, uh, Circus Magazine and Rip and Metal Edge and all that stuff. And, you know, now that I'm uh, pushing 40, you know, now now I'm in there fighting with the kids, trying to teach them how to do the dishes and stuff. And you don't have that much time. Exactly. But now now's the time where you can talk to them and say, dude, you know, what's it like to have chicks coming after you all the time? You know, just have, <laughs> have real conversations with them. The stuff that Rip never wrote, that's kind of where I tend to go now is I just... I mean, not necessarily chicks, but I mean, I, I just ask questions I would want to know, you know, how difficult is it to go on vacation when you're, you know, James Hetfield, you know, <laughs> you know that, and, and universally you'll get them saying, this was the greatest interview I've ever done because they like doing stuff that's not, okay, new record, yeah, we recorded at XYZ Studio, and yeah, it's the greatest thing ever. They get tired of saying that shit. Yeah, there's so much of that you can do, especially, you know, now that I'm in the in the circle of publicists that are sending out stuff like interview alerts and things like that. And so you get you, you'll you'll start to notice uh, all of the shows that you listen to have the same guest on and it's all it's all the same question and stuff. And it's, it's so hard to kind of get out of that. And I kind of like to grab an artist 
not necessarily in the media cycle, you know, grab an artist that's just uh, willing to talk about anything, not necessarily their new album. Right. Well, that's like I, I just did. I, I just interviewed Anselmo a couple weeks ago for um, the, the Super Joint record, which was great, by and, the way. Thanks. Well, uh, Philip's an old friend, though. Philip is Philip has been my friend, you know, for 20 years. So we barely talked any music. I think I might have asked two super joint questions and the whole rest of it was just kind of bullshit. And, and universally people have loved that interview and blabbermouth picked it up and, you know, and I never send anything to blabbermouth. I just let Bory find it for himself if he wants it. <laughs> it's always so funny when blabbermouth does take, take a show and you can watch those numbers like go from your normal listenership to just like astronomical numbers like within no time. Sure, it's crazy. They, Bory has he's got the. I don't know what what it is because all I ever see when I look over there is people bitching about how shitty the site is. But boy, somebody must be listening. <laughs> yeah, I, I too. You know, you do an interview, an interview that would normally get like two or three thousand downloads will get ten, and you're like, wow, how'd that happen? <laughs> Yeah, what's funny too is some of the stuff that they choose to pick up kind of blows my mind because I know that there's way more blabbermouth worthy snippets on other episodes, and I'm like, how do you, how did you miss that if you're going to pick up this other, you know, right. like thing about like, you know, they picked up a story off of one of my shows about David Ellison's, you know, like when that he put out a coffee, and I'm like, why did you pick that part of the episode? Right, I know it's silly how he does it, but who's to say he's the guy with the. You know, he's the guy with the power, so whatever he's doing is working. Pantera is my all-time favorite band. Like, that's end-all, be-all is Pantera. So, I mean, how did the uh, friendship between you and Phil come about? Um, well, I, um, you know, I, I wrote my, my current book, um, which is called Call Me Chris, is about me getting blown the fuck up. Um, you know, literally. Like, I was standing in front of a seven ton steel smelting furnace and it blew up and and i i went through a pretty nasty time getting through that and getting healthy again well one of the things that i that i had to do was um was a lot of recovery a lot of healing and when i was in the hospital i was in a coma for a little bit and the nurses would would turn on the radio and they would be playing top 40 stuff in the you know, in the room, just trying to keep my brain activity or whatever going. And I guess my my wife or my brother, one of them, told the nurses, ah, you shouldn't play that stuff. He'll hate that. So they told him to go get, go buy new copies of whatever I was into. So, of course, Vulgar Display of Power ended up in my in my room. And they would play this Vulgar Display of Power in the hospital, in the you know, I see you every single day until I woke up. And then after I woke up, when I was doing all my therapy and stuff, I would have this blasting full blast in the in the room. And, you know, the doctors were like horrified, as you can imagine, you know, a bunch of 70 year old guys in 1995, <laughs> right. you know, here in vulgar display of power. So fast forward about a month or so later, my my best friend Scott shows up at the hospital and he's like, dude, you're going to be pissed off, man, but Pantera's coming to town. And I was like, all right, go get me some tickets. And, you know, meanwhile, I'm supposed to, they're, they're, telling, they're telling my family that I'm going to be in the hospital eight or nine months. 
And, you know, the concert's in like six weeks or whatever. And so my buddy says to me, he goes, he goes, no, no, dude, I'll get you a shirt. It'll be good, blah, blah, blah. And I started screaming at him. I was like, go get me some fucking tickets. You know, and I, I, I just screamed at him. All my alarms in the room are going off. You know, the nurses all come running in, don't know what's going on. You know, so he's like, okay, calm down, calm down. Fine, I'll get you some tickets. So he goes and... The next day, he comes back with a pair of tickets, and I, I had a little corkboard in front of my bed with, um, it had, like, get well soon cards on it. And I had him throw all those cards off it, and I had him put those tickets on the, on the corkboard, and I had him draw a bunch of circles around it, so it was impossible not to see it. And every time I wanted to quit doing any kind of therapy, because it hurt or because, you know, whatever... I would look at those tickets and I was like, I'm going to this fucking show. You know, there's no question. I'm going to this show. And long story short, I did end up going to the show. I was sick as hell and I was bleeding all over the place. But I did go to this Pantera show like six weeks later. I'd been out of the hospital two days and my buddies literally almost had to carry me up into the farthest place away from the stage possible so that nobody could even bump me or anything, because I was in such bad shape, but I went to this show. Well, somehow or another, the story got out there about this happening, and Philip heard it. And Phil reached out to me and was like, we'd like to invite you to a Pantera show, you know, next time we're in town. And... So I went, you know, the next time they were in town, I, I was much more, I was much healthier, obviously. And I went to, to the show and Phil and I just talked and, you know, and we've been friendly ever since. And we've been down the road up and down with all kinds of crazy stuff. You know, I mean, the Pantera guys, not just Philip, but Philip has always been my, my buddy, I guess, in the band. Yeah. And, and, um, I mean, I, I've done stuff with Down. I, I did the very last interview that Dimebag ever did in Cleveland, you know, with with, with Dime and with Vince. And, um, you know, I, I've always been friendly with them. I've gotten very, very drunk with them several <laughs> times. Um, you know, one of the here in Cleveland, one of the most notorious things that ever happened was this meet and greet where they showed up really late and. 3,000 fans showed up and were chanting riot because Pantera didn't show for a long time. And, you know, that was something that I put together with, with some friends. And so I've been up and down the road with those guys for a long time. And, um, you know, one of the coolest things that's happened recently is I, I just did this interview with Philip. And um, at the end of it, I, I told him, I said, dude, I want to send you a book, you know, and he's like, oh, you finally put your book out. And I was like, yeah. And he, and he was like, he's like, well, here, here's my address, you know. And, and he's so funny. He's like, if you tell anybody, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> oh, you have it on tape. And yes, this is a death threat. You know, wow. he's, he's just a, he's, he gets a lot, a lot of really bad, you know, press or whatever. And, and he certainly has said some stupid shit in his life. And, yeah, I was about to say a lot of that's self-inflicted, but. A lot of it is, but you know what? For for as bad as some of the stuff is that he takes, he's not. If you know him, like you know, and and he's a famous guy. I mean, he's a very famous guy. 
to where he gets it. He gets people coming at him from all angles. But if you get to know him even a little bit, he's he's one of the nicest dudes you'll ever meet. It's just you know he doesn't let a lot of people into the circle, you know. And I I feel very you know I I wouldn't say he's like a buddy that I you know call up to say hey man what's happening. He's not one of those kind of buddies, but he always recognizes me and he always knows my name, and he always every time. Any band he's been in has come to Cleveland. He always takes care of me, whether it's Tim or or now Kate that that works with him. You know, um, so I, I have nothing but good things to say about him, and he's been a he's been a strong supporter of me, and I am very thankful to have that. Yeah, he's such a huge name. He was here not too long ago when he was doing the spoken word uh, spoken word little shows or whatever. Uh, he did like a Q&A spoken word deal here in town, and it was a lot of fun. And, you know, I got to talk to him there for a second. He did a little uh, tag for the show. And, uh, you know, I, I met him when I was a kid, when I was probably like 14, 15. Met Dime throughout the years. Met him in, you know, Damage Plan a couple of months before he passed. Uh, you know, I've seen Vinny you know, multiple times. Actually, I saw Vinny and Phil uh, both, I think that was June. <laughs> <They> were, <clears throat> hell yeah, I was in town early June. And then, uh, Phil came in town late in June. So I you know, put the picture side by side and I was like, ah, oh, it's been a pretty good month. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> so I had a question for you and I've been thinking about this a lot lately. So mm-hmm. Phil, you know, Phil puts out some kind of, uh, you know, he's got that, the, the, the label and he puts out kind of, you know, dingy sounding records, but like Phil to me, I always wondered why he would never, why a producer would never just get in a room with him and get a get a solid sounding band and I'm I'm going to use this band as a as a reference not something that he would do but a you know sound something like like a five finger death punch like a huge sounding metal band and throw him yeah. on the throw him on there and I, I don't see why you know he's not more out front and uh, you know he kind of continues to do these uh, obscure bands to where I think he could put together you know a band that would blow you know hell yeah away in a band, sure. you know, a band that could uh, be commercially viable, quote unquote. Yeah, I don't get the impression he cares. You know what? He's he's one of those guys, and one I I imagine that he has everything that he did not shoot into his arm. He has saved. You know, <laughs> I I just don't. I do not, for the life of me, think that he's broke and that he has to go and you know tour all the time or any of that. I think he's got his money, and I don't think he's. I I really think that. Some of that, the you know, trend killer stuff of of the Pantera days, is really just Phil stuff. I I don't think he wants to be commercially successful. I I do not get the impression that he loved being, the, you know, the biggest band in the world for that year or two. That that Pantera was, you know, stepped across the line and stepped past Metallica. I I just don't think that he cares, and I think he, you know, one. One thing that that I know I've talked to him about in I don't know if it was this last interview or when it was, but I know I've talked to him about it, and he he seems to agree with is that he purposely does these different projects instead of just calling it Philip Anselmo and doing whatever he's going to do, you know, and he keeps them separate by 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 what they are on purpose because he he likes to do lots of different stuff. But he doesn't want to prostitute it to the fans, you know. He he knows that the Pantera fans are not going to like Necrophagia or Scour or Christ <laughs> Inversion or any of that stuff. You know, he knows that, and I don't get the impression that that he wants to screw the fans over either. If you like Pantera, well, you'll probably like Down. 
and you know and and so you've got that option but you're not going to get you're not going to buy a down record and get some driving black metal sounds like Bork Nagar type thing you know coming at you with that you might get from scour or necrophagia or one of those so you know i i I don't think he's a guy that's really driven for, by it. I think if he wanted to make money, if he if he ever got to where he needed to make money, you'd see a project with him, Rex, um, Zach Wild, and um, you know, pick a drummer. Bobby Blotzer's available. <laughs> yes, he is, <laughs> and it would be Bobby Blotzer's Phil Anselmo yeah. project. You know, <laughs> Bobby Blotzer's Pantera. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. That would be a fantastic show right there. All right, so let's play some Pantera right now. What song by Pantera would you like to hear? Well, let's go with Regular People, man, because that's kind of how I look at Philip anyway. All right, here's Pantera's Regular People. You are listening to Talk To Me on Lost Anarchy Radio. Thank you. 
Philippe Tensomo here, and you're listening to Talk To Me Podcast. Rock on. All right, Chris. Well, let's get into uh, that classic metal show that you do. It, we do it on Saturdays for six hours from 9 o'clock until 3 in the morning every Saturday. And then what we do is we cut it up into roughly an hour each day, you know, and release it Monday through Friday so that the, the live fans can stay for the whole for the whole time, which is one experience. Or you can just get a little piece of it every single day for the other experience of it. So it's and it does really well. It's you know, I am for the life of me. I can't figure out why people like it, but they seem to. And believe me, I'm I'm very appreciative that they do. But it's. You know, it, it's turned into its own animal, and, and it's a lot of fun. But like I said, I I wonder. Neely and I, my my co-host, we um, we wonder all the time why people are so into it. I think it's a very like the show itself, and I'll, I'll give it my analytical. You know, I also do this in a in a former fashion kind of way. But I mean, you know, you guys have great chemistry, and the way you guys balance stories back and forth, and and your interaction is so so smooth it doesn't i don't feel a whole lot of like talking over each other and it's just a, it's a very good marriage of two people how long have you guys been doing the doing the show um we well neely started the show in 96 so it just passed its 20th anniversary um i jumped in uh when did i jump in about 2003 i guess it was it was on a it was on a small little um station in the back of a high school here locally um near akron ohio and i I, like i i was telling you before i used to own a little music magazine and i i was introduced to neely from the guy that was the chris aiken of the show back then this guy named randy and i went down you know i i met neely at a black crow show and he just gave me you know the obligatory hey if you're ever in town stop by thing you know that everybody says and so i i hit him up at some point and i i said to him i said you know i'd like to come down and promote my magazine when it comes out each every two weeks and he was like sure you know let's let's do that and he um he liked the magazine and he had me come down well as soon as we as i came down at the time i was also doing a um i was doing a radio show on uh, WMMS here in Cleveland, which is like the big rock station here, I was doing a show called The Metal Show. And, and so I was sort of a personality anyway. So for, for his little show at the time, you know, it was kind of cool to get this guy that, you know, had a big audience bringing, you know, coming to his show. So I, I came down and did it the first one or two times. And every time we did it, we just knew it was like, it was really, really unrehearsed, just funny, and and you, we knew right away the chemistry was there. So, you know, at some point, Neely, because of a job opportunity, moved in 2000 and I think four. He moved to Chicago, and um, when he moved to Chicago, we took the show to the internet, and he did the show, you know, solo for a couple of years, and then at some point. You know, we decided to give it a, the. We decided to give it a try. The, the Skype technology got to be decent enough to where we could try and do it together, and 
And he was working a really good job, so he had a bunch of money to invest, and he just kept investing in equipment until we were able to do a a decent show. So, you know, that's how it kind of just grew. And now, you know, I, I took a little hiatus for a while trying to, to save my marriage that did not get saved. So I, <laughs> I was off two and a half years, and then I came back, um, what, 2012? End of 2012, I came back to the show, and I've been back since. Well, I'll ask you this, seeing that the show kind of started out the internet, or started out, you know, terrestrial radio, I guess, but then started, they went to the internet, but you went to the internet early, like, like pre-MySpace early, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, so like, how have you seen like the transition of, of the internet radio to now, you know, like the podcast has kind of taken over, over the uh, quote unquote internet radio, but I mean, have, how have you seen that transition, you know, from, uh, from, from the WW dot to the podcast? Um, you know, there, there's been a lot of one, a lot of people got weeded out, which I couldn't be more thankful about. There were a lot of bad radio shows after we came out. <laughs> I mean, there were a lot of really bad shows. And, and that was one of the things we used to do is goof on the really bad shows. And, you know, it, you had that, you know, once people once once some of the technology kind of got idiot simple. You saw a lot of idiots using the idiot simple technology, you know, the blog talk radio and stuff. Not that I'm shitting on people that have tried <laughs> blog talk radio as much as, as much as the technology where you you don't need anything but your phone. Well, that kind of opens the door to anybody can do it, you know. And and you literally had people that had no no business being involved in it. <clears throat> I as far as growing from internet now to podcast i think it's a good transition personally because people don't i i in, in today's world and i'll i'll say that netflix changed it changed it more than anything in the podcast world did but netflix has changed the way that we suck in media now hmm. you know nobody wants to watch anything when's the last time you said oh my god it's 10 o'clock on wednesday i gotta sit down for law and order <laughs> right you know nobody does that anymore you you either binge watch 12 episodes in a, on a Saturday afternoon or you, you know, you get home at five o'clock in the afternoon and you fire up Hulu and see what's in your queue or whatever. Yeah. You know, and, and podcasting is very much the same way, only, you know, it, it, it's a little bit easier to actually get the content. When you find, I, I don't know how you how you do your thing, but I know on my phone I have this ridiculous. I have an iPhone 6s with the biggest hard drive that I think they sell, which is a 128 gig hard drive on my on my phone, and I have probably 25 podcasts that I'm subscribed to, and you know I don't even look at it anymore. Everything's delivered to me now. I, I have everything set to check at three o'clock in the morning. And I wake up the next morning and I stick my headphones in my phone and boom, I can just push buttons and okay, well, this one's downloaded, this one's downloaded, this one, and it deletes the old ones. And, you know, it's really, really become easy. And, you know, commercial radio is so shitty now, nobody wants to listen to it. So, you know, even if you're, even if you're not into talking podcasts, which I kind of am, but, you know, if you're into music podcasts, you know, they're... they're stuff like your podcast i get your podcast once a week and it or you know it comes down right you know i don't i don't have to go i don't have to go find it 
The only thing I do is I, I look and it's got a little blue dot next to it. And I'm like, oh, new one. Push, you know. Oh, <laughs> you know? yeah. And, and it's great for in the car. You know, I mean, for for me personally, uh, um, for the last two years, I opened up a little pinball palace, you know, about two hours of my house. And, um, you know, I was traveling back and forth all the time between the two jobs. And just to have all that, all the podcasts available to me, it was so simple. And I never had to think about it. And I think it's only going to get, it's, it's, I think you're going to see a wave of more talented people because one, you can't podcast to be dumb that, you know, I, I mean, you have to, there is a level of technical that comes with being a good podcaster, whether it's dealing with your equipment or your microphones or whatever, there's that piece, but there's also the piece of getting it up there and getting it spread out to, you know, all the various places that you need to be, whether it's iTunes or Podbean or Spreaker or, you know, FeedBurner or whatever it is, you know, so you have to have the combination, which is going to keep, is going to either keep people with talent working with, with bigger companies that, that have the technical talent, or it's going to keep us independents, you know, ahead of the curve over the rest of the guys that just don't have both pieces of the puzzle. Yeah, it's definitely a, like a passion project too. And I've always seen it as, you know, all of my years playing music, you, you know, you always wanted to put out a good product. And now, uh, you know, now that I'm older and I have kids and I, you know, I have a real job and, and I don't have time to, to go on tour anymore. Uh, you know, now it's, uh, this is my solo band. This is my solo project. And, you know, I can put a lot into it and, and, uh, I thoroughly enjoy putting each episode together and, and it can be stressful, especially right now with, with work and kids and, you know, trying to stay up till three, four in the morning, trying to put together a podcast, but not, you know, you've, you, you, you have that, uh, what do you call it? You know, that unwritten contract with your listeners that, you know, I put out my episodes on Thursday. So each Thursday you're going to get an episode, even if I have to be, be up until 5 AM and have to get back up at six to go to work. Sure. And, and what people don't commonly realize and this, you know, I get people, I'm sure you do too, that ask, Oh, how can I get more listeners? You know, I get that question a lot. How can we get, they see our numbers, which are pretty ridiculous. You know, I think we're at like 2.4 million downloads or some stupid number. Right. On, you know, which is, is amazing to me how many people listen. But, but, you know, I get questions all the time from other guys that are like, you know, they've been around as long as us and they have 100,000 downloads. And they're like, how can we get more listeners? And the first thing I tell every one of them is, Pick a schedule, stay on your schedule. No matter what happens, you have to be, you have to be on a schedule. You know, you have to, I know people don't listen on the schedule, but they download on the schedule. And if they, if they're expecting something new from you and there's nothing new from you, it, you know, it, it we're not celebrities. We're not going to be covered by People Magazine or TMZ <laughs> or whatever. We're just fucking guys yeah yeah absolutely i mean the one great thing and if if you truly want an answer to that question i think the one thing is is basically what you and i are doing right now and that's having you know you on my show you know not saying that you know my few listeners are going to go over to you but i'm saying you know you're gonna you're gonna put it out and say hey i was on this show people that like you might check out my show then they'll start liking me and you know it's it's this weird cyclical little world that uh you know you kind of got to target just reach out to other podcasts that are similar to you and, uh, you know, just basically guest swap is my thing. 
Absolutely, man. And, and obviously, you can come on our show. I mean, that's that's fine. I mean, that's we we've been doing that as long as we've been in as long as we've been on the internet. We've been doing that, trying to bring people along with us, and and not that we're any kind of power broker or anything at all. We're, you know, we're we we do what we do, and like I was saying before, I'm still in awe of twenty thousand downloads a week. I can't believe that we get that many downloads, you know, but. But in the big picture, you look at that number and you're like, all right, well, that's like, what, a third of what Trunk does. And it's like, well, but we don't play to the corporate machine. So what are you willing to trade? You know? Right. <laughs> you know, and I'm not willing to I'm not willing to do a suck up show. So I'm you know, we, we do what we do. And and we do just like you're saying, we we happily I, I don't think I've ever turned down an, a, a request to go and do something. And I and by the same token, I invite people on all the time to do our show just because not even because it's something that, you know, I hope to promote or whatever, just because I'm into it. You know, like as an example, yeah, I mean, you you know, our show, we do we don't only do music. We also do politics and <laughs> racism, all kinds of different stuff. But I don't know, two years or so ago. I got a hold of um, Freeway Ricky Ross. I don't know if you know who that guy is or not, but he's no, that like name does not fam- that doesn't sound familiar. No, he's the most notorious drug dealer in the history of the United States. He was uh, <laughs> he was um, he was part of the whole Noriega scandal back in the what was that the late eighties the Oliver North thing. Yeah, yeah. The, the The government was literally selling coke to him to finance guns for the Nicaraguans. And this was the guy. He was doing, he did something like $10 billion of business in two two years. Just crazy amounts of of stuff. Well, he did jail time and then he got out and somehow he, he wrote a book and I just reached out to him on Twitter or something and said, hey dude, loved your book. I have a show. Would you be willing to come on? And he was like, yeah, you know, <laughs> call, call me at this number on this time. And then so I had, you know, a guy that's like notorious in, in American history on the show, you know, and it, it's amazing when you when you, um, I, you know, you, you can do this with bands and I, and I know you do this with bands and we're all in the same publicist circle of, OK, we've got these six hours of 20 minute blocks on Wednesday or whatever, you know, and, and we all get that stuff and that's fine. But I am really gotten to the point now where I like reaching away from, from that to do something a little bit different, you know, because I, I have to keep myself entertained. And I, and I honestly think that if you're not entertained with your podcast, then you're not going to entertain your fans anyway. So, you know, like I'll give you another example today, last night, at like two in the morning, I'm up watching a movie. I'm watching that movie War Dogs with uh, Jonah Hill. Okay, and it's 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 a true story about these two guys that um, got involved in um, in dealing guns to the U.S. government after nine or after the Iraq War. I, it's a long story that I won't get into, but apparently there was a website that you could that you could bid for jobs and then you had to deliver x amount of weapons to the u.s government for money and it was a whole thing well it was based on a true story at the end of the thing i reached i looked up the guy's name that was the the main guy 
he's out of jail. I hit him up on Twitter. He hit me back today. (laughs) And I was like, cool. So I might have this guy on the show, you know. (laughs) You just don't know, man. It, it's and again, it, like where where I'm going with all this is where you were saying before about, you know, you like to do things, you like to just reach out to bands, and you like to have real conversations. Well, I'm I'm in the same boat. I love to do that kind of stuff, and I think that's what the listeners these days want to hear. They don't want to hear the same old, "Hey, there's a new record. Hey, you worked with Brendan O'Brien. How's he as a producer?" <laughs> right. Who wants to hear that anymore? You know, what's funny is that I had this question a lot when I first started the show because, I, you know, I started the show and within the first 12 episodes I had, you know, dudes from Five Finger Death Punch, Joey Z, Life of Agony, um, you know, Straight Line Stitch, you know, 40 Below Summer, a lot of bands. And, like, I was already getting, like, people going, how are you getting these guests? And I just, I just said I asked them. You know, that's all yeah. I did. I was like, you just reach out and say, hey, I've got the show. One guest builds into another guest. I can say, hey, uh, you know, uh, episode four was Fred Corey from Cinderella. You know, I'm like, hey, Fred Corey from Cinderella was on my show. Would you like to come on? And they hear that. And they're like, yeah, he, you know, he's a, an established person. So it was, it was a gradual process to where, you know, I didn't, you know, I reach for the stars kind of thing. And, you know, you, re- you, know, you reach up and you want to act like you're, you know, uh, act like you've been there before kind of thing. And, and you you try to get the best guests you can rather than settling for, you know, Joe's local band down the street, which, you know, he needs publicity too. But if you want your show to the, the show to look bigger, you need to have the big names on it. I feel. Right. And, and, and the way you get the, the big names though, sometimes is by doing those little, by not only just doing those little interviews, the smaller ones, the lion's share of the world, you know, I don't know if you remember that band Lion's Share. They might even still be in business for all I know. But, you know, they, they were like some European metal something. <laughs> right. And, but the way you get the big guests is you not only do those interviews, but you do them with the same zest or gusto that you would do for Rob Halford. You know, you, you, you give them the same amount of attention. You do, you give them the same amount of courtesy or, or you get silly with them and, and, you know, just introduce them as, as silly guys, you know, cause a lot of these, I mean, you know, dude, you're, you're interviewing bands. Most band guys are scumbags and there's like one <laughs> business guy, usually in a band of four, there's one business guy and four goof or three goofballs. Right. And most of the time you get the business guy on the phone, but Every once in a while, you get the silly guys. You know, we did a... You remember that band Dream Evil from the mid-90s, early 2000s? Somewhere in there. They were a European band that did not go very far. Yeah, that one doesn't ring a bell at all. You you might dig them if you like like Judas Priest type stuff. But um, we interviewed the singer, and and he's one of those... One of those guys. (laughs) Right. We interviewed him one time from his day job at the home depot in Norway or somewhere. (laughs) And he literally was doing his interview with us while stocking shelves. And, and it was just the funniest interview because we're, you know, we're interviewing him and people are interrupting him to, you know, ask him where nails are. (laughs) (laughs) It was just the goofiest interview, but you know what? People loved it because it was different and it wasn't, yeah, you're you're working with this guy. That was great. Oh, you got a new drummer. How's he working into the mix? You know, people love to hear real stories. And when we would do stuff like 
like that, that's the kind of stuff that got us what I'll call our pivot pivotal guys, which were, you know, we, we like, like you, like everybody, man, we, we all have those pivot guys that take us to another level and mm-hmm. another level, another level, you know, I mean, for the CMS, you know, obviously Neely has a friendship with Dokken, with Don Dokken, and I've worked for Don. I was his webmaster for 15 years or something. So, you know, we both had the relationship with Don and that got us so far. And then I had the relationship with Philip and that got us even further. And I know Zach Wild pretty well. And that gets us a little further. Absolutely. And, and you know, and, and it's that steady stream of things. You know, I, I've known Jason Newstead since he was his early days of Metallica. And, you know, obviously when when he was doing Echo Brain and he really wasn't talking, he was just doing that. And I was able to get an interview. Well, that took us to another place. And, you know... And now we're in the position where when anybody tours, we get a call, you know, hey, do you want to talk to, you know, literally whoever it would be. And I, I think the only guy that we universally would like to talk to and have not is Ozzy. And I've met him. I've met him a few times, you know, at, at Ozfests because Pantera was always on those and they always introduced me to Ozzy. But um, but I, I've never interviewed him, and he's like the only metal guy I think in my in my world that I have not interviewed that I would want to. Yeah, Ozzy is like the holy grail. I don't know how many interviews he does anymore. But uh, let's go back to Dokken, man. You know, wouldn't it have been great had you guys been able to break some Dokken news? But you know, Eddie Trunk got it first. You know. Well, you know, Eddie is Eddie's crafty like that now, isn't he? <laughs> you know, it's so funny. I know we talk about Eddie Trunk, or you guys talk about Eddie Trunk a lot. But I mean, I hear. I hear it so much between like, you know, the metal podcast world and other shows like Eddie Trunk will pop up here and there and stuff. And like how he's equally like respected and hated at the same time. Sure. He's, he's like the John Cena of rock and roll. He's, <laughs> you know, half the people like him, half the people don't. I like him personally. I know Neely does not. I, I mean, he Neely Neely had a bad run in with Eddie where he gave Eddie a shirt. We tell it on the, on the show all the time. He gave Eddie a shirt, and two minutes later, Eddie walked away and threw the shirt in the garbage. Oh, God. And, and you know, it's a disrespectful, shitty thing. And Neely definitely holds it against him. I personally listen. I'm subscribed to Eddie's podcast. I listen to Eddie's podcast. I enjoy his interviews a lot. I, I, I find Eddie to be, to be pretty good at what he does. Um, that said, he, he, he does come off a bit pompous and... And, you know, and, you know, the, the thing that you were referring to with Dokken was him trying to take credit for the Dokken reunion that Don came on our show to break Don, Don being Neely's friend. And I, and I mean, Neely goes and runs around with Dokken right. whenever, whenever they play anywhere near Chicago, where Neely is at. Neely takes off four or five days from his job and, you know, gets on the bus and he, he buses around with Dockett. He's really in the he's in the camp. Um, it, Don came on our show specifically to announce the tour, the, the reunion. And we saw it. I saw it on Twitter a couple weeks later that he Eddie said, look, I put Dockett back together. And <laughs> honestly, the way I saw it was that our fans started killing Eddie. They they were like, really, Eddie? Because here's the... And they were linking to our podcast interview with Don. And 
And, you know, it, it was like 50 or 60 of our guys were hitting Eddie up. And finally, I just stepped in and just was like, Eddie tried to defend it. And I, and I stepped in, and on Twitter anyway, and I just said, dude, come on, man. You know, you don't have to take credit for everything. You know, this one you didn't get. So what? <laughs> you know, and, and I mean, that, that would be like me saying, well, you know, when I put Twisted Sister back together for this last run, because I interviewed D once, you know, it's like, come on, dude, stop it. You yeah, know. the only piece of talk to me that got onto that's been on Eddie Trunk's radar at all was uh, when when uh, Eric Brittingham came on and said that Cinderella was probably never getting back together because Tom was doing his solo stuff, blah blah blah. Right. Kinda, you know, it kind of you know it went blabbermouth, you know, uh, viral. And then a few days later, EddieTrunk.com posted it, but I don't believe that they. I think they were the only site that didn't link the episode i think they may have said it was on talk to me but they were the only site out there that picked it up but didn't actually link the episode to it i was kind of bummed about that well eddie eddie is what he is you know he's uh he he would really not want to get into some stupid war battle because i have a lot of stuff that i could say and i don't but let's just say that i've worked directly with one of his former syndicators so i know some things (laughs) You know, and, and and I don't want to be that guy. I, I mean, I, I just don't. And I hate that he's so pompous that he thinks that he needs every ounce of attention. He gets everybody's attention. We all get it. He's the he's he's the voice and he's the you know, and, and God bless him for it, man. I mean, good for him for bravo to him for that metal show. I I, I really think and this is my personal opinion, I think there's a gigantic hole right now because there's nobody television-wise covering anything rock or metal at all without that metal show, you know? And, and I think there's a big hole. Absolutely. So, so I, I, I mean, I hate that, that he lost that or VH1 got sold or whatever the hell happened. But, you know, that being said, he would do everybody, if he, if he cares so much about metal, as I believe he does. I, I'm not. I'm not trying to shit on the guy totally, but I do believe that he really cares about the genre itself. And that being said, he could do. He in the position that he's been fortunate enough to get to, he could do so much by bringing some other people with him. You know, he doesn't have to take credit for that. How much stronger would the metal community be if he was promoting? your thing here and there or red and cherries rock and metal revival when he sees a story on their their thing or our thing or talking metal or whoever it is you know if he's if he's just doing the simple thing like you said he didn't link out to your thing well if he links out to your thing well you get more listeners and he's got listeners and more of us would be more than willing to link out to him when he truly had something and you know what now you've got instead of a fractured audience that's you know I'm not listening to Eddie Trunk. Fuck Trunk or fuck Talk to Me or fuck the classic metal show. Instead of having people that are taking sides, you got everybody in the same boat. Everybody that cares about the music would all be in the same boat instead of trying to pick their little faction, you know? Absolutely, man. Well, let's take a break. Let's listen to some more music right now, and then we'll get back and we'll uh, we'll wrap this bad boy up. But uh, you got Cataclysm on here, so uh, tell me about this song and tell me why you want to hear it. Well, um, this just brought back a memory. The the um, Brave Words and Bloody Knuckles used to do a festival every year. 
And they did it here. It was like 2005, 2006. I don't remember what year it was. But um, they asked me to introduce Cataclysm. And I really didn't know a whole lot about them at the time. And so they just, they, the only instructions they gave me were get up on stage, get the crowd crazy, and then introduce Cataclysm. So I, I was hanging backstage with these guys, and they're really nice guys. But, you know, I, I was like, well, what do you guys do? And they're like, ah, oh, we're death metal and blah, blah, blah. I was like, okay, cool. So I get out, and I think Reload or something was out Metallica-wise. <laughs> so I get out on stage, and, and I'm, you know, riling the crowd up, saying that they're being too quiet and that we're going to bring Brett Michaels out. And, you know, <laughs> you know, I'm just pissing people off a little bit. So then I get people, I start talking about Cataclysm. I'm like, ah, oh, this is the greatest death metal band in the world. Meanwhile, I've never heard them. But, you know, I, you know and, and people are starting to chant and whatever. And then I finally said, yeah, at least these guys ain't pussies like Metallica. And everybody's like, yeah, you know, everybody starts roaring. And so then I get everybody chanting Metallica sucks. You know? <laughs> wow. So I get the whole room doing this. And then I introduce Cataclysm and they just get this big roar. And nobody really knew who they were. But they get this huge roar because the crowd was all amped. Well, I came off the stage and immediately just got destroyed by uh, Mark Groman and Metal Tim from Brave Words <laughs> because they were they were like in the middle of like negotiating some kind of interview with Metallica at the time, and I you know I didn't know. And, and they were like, all we need is for someone to see this, or, you know, tell Metallica that, that our festival is chanting Metallica sucks. And they were so pissed off at me. It wasn't even funny, but I didn't know. <laughs> but but, but this, this was the first song that they played that night was As I Slither. So there's your story. Very cool, man. Well, this is Cataclysm, As I Slither. We're listening to Talk To Me on Lost Anarchy Radio. I live my life 
Suicide, and you're listening to Talk to Me. Don't have the full teeth with me, do you? <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> this is great. I've had those interviews where you're, you know, discussions, interviews, whatever you want to call them, where you're just sitting there like pulling teeth to just get anything out of the out of the other person. Well, because I'm on the other side, I. I one, I never shut up any, anyway. You know, I, I'm a, there's, I had a bunch of guests. Neely was out um, in Phoenix a couple weeks ago for the um, Heavy Metal Television Awards. I guess we, we, were, we won some award, and he went out to accept it. And, um, and he was out, so I, I did a show here at the house with, with friends, with Michael Hannon from American Dog and Dangerous Toys and whatnot, and... Um, and his road guy, who's, whose name is Rob Kern, who shoots their DVDs and whatnot, and then my friend Randy. And we were all just hanging out for like an hour before the show, and I was you know, holding court. And at some point, one of the guys was like, dude, you got to stop telling these stories till we turn the mics on, man. You're going to run out of things to say. And I, <laughs> and I was like, dude, it has been 20 years and I haven't run out of things to say. It's, you know doesn't happen <laughs> no it does not hey let's uh for this last little segment here let's let's you know you're an ohio guy uh rock huh? on the rock on the range lineup just came out today and uh just kind of go through a few of the bands on here <clears throat> um obviously metallica headlining it i mean if anybody thought that that wasn't going to happen you almost have to be an idiot <laughs> yeah i mean metallica obviously they they deserve to be to be the headliner one they're the biggest band in the world, and certainly, uh, you know, they put out a solid record. Can't argue that. What are your thoughts on Hardwired? Love it. I love. I don't want to say love it. I guess let me let me pull that back. Like it a, a whole lot. There's a couple songs. It's a couple songs too long. You know, I I do not like the Lemmy tune at all. The Murder One, mm-hmm. and I don't like the um. What's the one right before it? The uh, Am um, I Savage? Yeah, don't like that at all. Um, but if you took those two off and just pumped um, Lords of Summer, you know, right before Spit Out the Bone, you got a good 10-song record there. Oh, yeah. And and, and that's that's kind of what I did on my phone, <laughs> you know, <laughs> those two off and promoted up Lords of Summer. And it, it's good, man. I mean, look, the people that are complaining and saying, well, it doesn't sound like Master of Puppets. Well, no shit, Sherlock. I mean, they're not that band anymore. They're not that hungry anymore. Each guy in the band has a couple hundred million dollars in the bank. They're not. They're, be happy that you got a metal out, two metal albums in a row, sort of, out <laughs> of Metallica. You know, I know they filled the middle with Lulu, but I mean, we're not going to count that. 
you know, after so many years since the Black Album, if, whether you think it's the Black Album or the, you know, or Justice was the last good one, it's been a long time since they did something really, really solid. And I, I think this is really solid. I think with Hardwired, my my critique of it is if this album would have came out after the Black Album, mm-hmm. I think they would have stayed on like a steady metal projection, like trajection, trajectory. Uh because this has a lot of load and reload in it, but it also has a lot of metal. Like load to me, what threw me off as a kid because I mean I'm I'm a little bit younger. I came in on the Black Album because I was 12, and you know so I was 15, 16 when Load came out. And what always disturbed me about Load was the the lack of double bass. Like there was no double bass drum. You know I think there might have been like one section of one song. But I mean if this album would have came out right after the Black Album, I think it would have been a little bit more uh, palatable. And I think Load, if this was Load, uh, I think it would have been a much better follow-up to the Black Album. So, I mean, I think people are freaking out because this is a heavy-ass record. I mean, you know, you've got the three singles that came out prior to it, and then you add Spit Out the Bone. That song alone is just a is just a monster of a song. Like, when I listened to Hardwire the first time all the way through, I actually was like, whoa, I need to listen to that song again. <laughs> It has so many elements of like what you love about Metallica in it, even down to you know almost a Cliff Burton esque distorted bass line in there and stuff. It was it was amazing. Yeah, it, it's I I love it. I I mean I'm enjoying it a lot. I mean it's I I was literally just we do a top twenty show at the end of the year and I was putting together my top twenty and it's about fifteen. You know I mean is 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 it awesome awesome? No, but I mean it's. As far as Metallica, my second favorite band of all time, and I, I am a total, I'm a honk that'll tell you five good songs on um, St. Anger. And, <laughs> you know, I, I'm that guy. I liked Load. I liked Reload. Didn't love them, but I liked them. And there's plenty that I do listen to on those records. That being said, this is the best thing that they've done in eons for me. I Probably since Master. I, I like this better than I did even justice for all. I, I like it a lot. Wow, that's some that's some uh, heavy words there, man. That's <laughs> that's crazy. Well, now, now, if you put bass in the justice for all, then it wouldn't be. But no. but you know, you gotta you gotta you gotta weigh production too, man. I mean, if you're gonna be listening to it, especially now where everything is so HD quality in your in your headphones or whatnot, you know, now justice sounds really thin by comparison. So Absolutely. I like it. I, I do like Hardwired a lot. All right, so back to Rock of the Rage like we were going to start with. Uh, you know, Soundgarden, I was never a big Soundgarden fan. So, I mean, those guys I'm assuming are headlining one night. Uh, that'll probably be decent for somebody. Yeah, I, I, I always liked them. I've seen them X number of times. They're not that great live. That's the big problem I would have with that is that they're – Chris Cornell is very hit or miss live. Some nights he's dead on. Some nights he's not dead on. And when he's not dead on, it's like, it is kind of kind of a rough listen. Right. Uh, I, I, I'm not going to go out of my way to see that one. <laughs> yeah, it's so funny. I mean, I'm assuming Korn is the third headliner from with the way this lineups came out. I don't know if they're going to you know headline the third night or whatnot. But uh, you know, which is you know a good thing for them. Um, the funny thing with me is the offspring are always so high on these bills. Like even at not fest Mexico, uh, I noticed like the one sore thumb out of the whole thing was like the offspring was like, you know, a second headliner, you know, third headliner kind of thing. And it was, uh, those guys always blow me away that they're still such so high on festival lists. 
Yeah, I, I've never, I've never been a huge fan. You know, Offspring's one of those bands. I'm sure you have those in your in your playlist as well. Where when you hear a song, you never turn it off. You know, but but at the same time, you don't own anything right. by them, and that's that's me with the Offspring. You I know, like their songs, but I don't own anything. It would be one of those shows I'm sure you would go to, and you would sit there and watch a good 45 minutes set and know 40 minutes of it. <laughs> You'd be like, right. oh yeah, oh yeah, that's them too. Oh yeah, I remember that one. That's a good one right there. Yeah, and, and and at the same time, then you would never even go back home and even pull it up on <laughs> on Spotify to listen. Absolutely. So the other thing I was kind of looking at too is is a lot of time these huge festivals are just kind of tour packages all thrown together. Mm-hmm. So kind of looking at it and kind of trying to di- dissect what the Metallica summer tour is probably going to be. I'm seeing Volbeat on here, so I'm assuming it's probably going to be a Metallica Volbeat and maybe a third band on here. I couldn't really pick out. Maybe one of the lower tier bands. I mean, they might pull out a Gojira again. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm just trying to figure out what the the Metallica summer tour is going to look like. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, they might just take one opener. They don't usually take more than one because they play so long. I mean, they they tend to play two two and a half hours, you know, a night. And so then you know, 45 minutes for an opener and a changeover. That's that's you're already at about four hours. So. I don't know. You know, I, I looked at that line. I do the same exact thing, too, dude. I kind of pick and choose and say, okay, well, this would be a good show or that would be a good show. And I, I don't know. I mean, Volbeat would be the obvious the obvious choice to be on that because some of their riffs on earlier records do sort of directly, um, you know, steal from Metallica in spots. <laughs> right. But um, I, I'd be okay to see Metallica and Volbeat. I like both bands. I don't know. I, I looked at that lower list, and you know, I hate to say I'm turning into into an old man or into my dad or whatever, but it's like I've been to a few of the Rock on the Ranges, and with every passing year, I really kind of want to go less and less because I just don't know. You know, the list of bands I don't know is starting to get higher and higher and higher <laughs> on the on the on the ad every year. So, oh, absolutely. You know. My daughter's 14, and. I'm I'm catching myself all the time like this is not music what are you listening to why are you listening to this crap you know and it's just so bad sure but uh, the one thing actually I noticed I was uh, doing a little Facebook stalking and I noticed you got some Bruno Mars tickets and Ew. dude I have to say I saw the saw him a couple of years ago and for the hundreds and hundreds of concerts that I've been to I will say now that he is that show was in my top five of all time i i have not seen him yet i um dude i i'm i was every other person i i'm a big music fan it doesn't all have to be metal me i too, definitely me i definitely do not qualify for a metal card because i listen to a whole lot more than metal and but bruno mars was one of those i had never ever heard him or even heard of him for some reason, probably because I don't listen to commercial radio at all. But um, I had not heard of him at all before the Super Bowl. Oh, wow. And, and I literally watched the Super Bowl, the first one that he would that he did, and was like, this guy is really good. So I, I went out the very next day and I bought the, the Bruno Mars album and was like, I, I play it at least once a week. You know, even now I still play it. I don't. I don't really like his new record a whole lot, but I, I like that whatever it's called, Gorillas and Hooligans or whatever. Yeah, that's it's called. a great album. You know, it, I, I he's fantastic, and 
you know, I'm if you're if you're just into music and like for me, one of my favorites is Motown, which he certainly kind of grabs from a little bit. Absolutely. He's solid, man. He's really good. Yeah. The two shows that I've seen in the last couple of years that blew me away were one Bruno Mars and two, we went and saw Garth Brooks and that dude, he took a 20,000 seat arena and made it feel like you were sitting in his living room you know, listening to your uncle play songs on his guitar, it was insane how he how he just shrunk that arena down to to, to nothing. Yeah, he's I, I've seen him before. I didn't see this tour, but I saw him, you know, whatever, I guess it'd be fifteen years ago or whatever on the last time that he toured. And he's great. He's he you know, he's great and it's weird because I, I'm not really a country fan. I, I basically listen to two country artists, him and Shania Twain. And and he it as somebody that doesn't listen to country, I still know like all of his songs. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think most people do too. I think almost everybody knows, you know, if you've ever been in a bar, you know, friends in low places and, you know, like shameless and stuff like that. And, you know, he's, he really is. There's a reason that he's the biggest selling artist of all time. And it's because he's that damn good. He's, he's very quality. The other thing too, that was crazy about it is it was, Two, it was two nights, but it was four shows. Like he did an early show and a late show. It was just him, and you know he did like two and a half hours, and then took like a fifteen minute break, and then did like another two and a half hours. And my uh, my aunt saw the the final show of the four, and she said he had as much energy in that show as he did as, you know any other time she's ever seen him. So for someone to put on a you know, basically do five hours a night, you know, and have yeah. that and the kind of energy that that guy has, it's absolutely insane. And it's such a big show, you know. That's that's the thing with with Garth is that it's not a little. It's it's not a typical. Okay, well, you got a violin player and a drummer and you know two guitar players and a bass player all just standing around staring at their shoes playing this low boring music. I mean, Garth, you know, he's got stuff blowing up. He's running around the stage. He's jumping around. He's you know he's playing guitar and then he's running around with a microphone and he's you know. He he really puts out a lot of energy. I I wish I had that kind of juice. <laughs> Absolutely. And the one thing too is that, and I I grew up in Nashville, so it's not like you know listening to Garth was off my radar. I mean, you pretty much just grew up in you know the country music capital of the world, so it was, it was always around us. And I always joked about that. I was like, the one great thing about having all the country artists in town was a lot of those dudes that ran those studios we're not always country dudes. So being in a metal band in Nashville, you got a lot of great deals, if not free studio time, just because those guys wanted to record some metal. Sure. Uh, yeah. It, 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 again, we, we were talking about this earlier. It's, it's funny about how people assume that because you're in a style of music, that that's what you listen to. Like uh, I, uh, I don't know. You know, the guy Edwin McCain, or have you heard? You, yeah. I know. I know. About, yeah. The, the song I'll be, which was his <laughs> right. Everybody knows that, but, um, he's an absolute metalhead. You know, it, it, you would never know it from his music because you listen to his music. It's all like singer songwriter, Bruce Springsteen, second tier stuff. But in real life, if, if you get on his tour bus, it's, it's all like, um, skid row, um, <laughs> skid, the second skid row album, slave to the grind or, or, you know, not not metal metal, but it'd be like Metallica or whatever. And it's like, wow, <laughs> who would have thought this guy that's singing these slow songs is, you know, on his bus rocking out. But, you know, that that's how a lot of these guys are. 
Well, that's like, um, I mean, even Garth, you know, huge Kiss fan growing up, and he was always uh, always wore his, you know, uh, rock allegiance on his sleeve, but he went to country. But then I remember being a kid and reading, uh, we'll, we'll get this back around to Pantera, but that band uh, Sixpence None the Richer that did that song Kiss Me, they they were in an article one time talking about how how much they loved Pantera, and I was like, oh my god, that's so cool that like a band like that, huge Pantera fans. Sure. Well, dude, how how could you not be back in those days? That is true. That is true. <laughs> All right, Ben. I want to get on one last thing, and then, uh, man, we've been. Uh, this might actually turn into a six-hour <laughs> classic metal show if we don't. I feel like we could talk all night. But uh, you know, growing up in Cleveland, I see you post a lot about your sports teams, man. What's what's it like to you know go from the Cavs winning it all to the Browns winning nothing? You know, how is that for you? The Cavs winning it all was literally tears in the eyes moment, and uh, I mean, I can't even explain it because we've never. I, I'm 48. And that's the first win we've ever had in in town, wow. and and I mean we it's really been that year. But with Stepo uh, Miocic winning the UFC thing, then the the minor league team, dude, we this town went crazy for the minor league hockey team. The minor <laughs> hockey team, the monsters, won their division or won their whatever their version of the Stanley Cup is. That I'm not a hockey guy, but but they won that, and they they had like a a parade. For the minor league hockey team winning the the championship, and then when the Cavs came, I mean, you saw anybody within a TV saw one and a half million people downtown, you know, just flooding downtown for for the parade, and then the Indians as well coming, you know, a couple out short, but mm-hmm. all the way. T- so it's been an exciting year sports wise. The Browns, well, they suck, you know. I mean, <laughs> that's just the way it is, and. I, I was I was on record from the beginning of the season before the season saying they'd be lucky to get two wins. Looks like I'm going to be right on that. Um, you know, they're it, they could say they're rebuilding all they want. I stopped paying for any Browns product two years ago, and just I don't care if they win or lose necessarily. I mean, I'd love them to win, obviously, but I watch I use I pretty much watch a good amount of football. Uh, you know, like like anybody that's into the NFL. Mm-hmm. And I, I watch the Browns and I don't see what I see on every other team, you know, on the field. They're, they're not, they're not competitive and they don't, you know, and I'm one of these really analytical people that I sit there where most people just watch, ah, Hey, look, there's a ball going down the field. I'm the guy that's sitting there watching the center and I'm watching his <laughs> footwork and, and, and I'm watching the guards pull. And, you know, I, I watch that stuff like a, like a mental patient and, because of that, I can't enjoy the Browns at all because they just don't have any really professionally talented horses on either side of the ball. And it's it's beyond frustrating, you know, to, to watch and to have it. And especially it's even worse now when all the other sports teams are doing really well. You know, yeah. we had one in the World Series and we had one in the NBA Finals. And now we got one that's looking for the worst record of all time. It's like... Well, this sucks. Yeah, I saw I saw a stat the other day. You guys are not only coming up on the Detroit Lions; you guys are coming up on that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers all time record of loss of zero uh, and whatever. Yeah, I think I think Tampa's is what zero and twenty four, like twenty four straight Something losses. Like that, yeah, the Browns. Well, they're zero and twelve this year, and I think they lost the last four last year. Mm-hmm. So they're sixteen. So. 
Yeah, we'll get there. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you guys have a parade for that, too. Well, there, there's actually, <laughs> this is how bad it is here. There is actually a Facebook group out there with people with a date um, for the O and 16 parade. And it, it's, it's, it's out there already. And there's like 10,000 people that have, that have marked that they'll go to it. <laughs> because that's how sure everybody is that they're not. I, I can't see them winning. The only game they could win the rest of the year is they do play Cincinnati at some point, and they're pretty bad too. But I don't know. I mean, what what should we call it? San Francisco's one in ten or whatever, and the one that they got was us. So wow, you know that that's that that should tell you something. <laughs> Man, the only the only bad the only like playmaker you guys have, and I always feel so bad each week for is is for Terrell Pryor. Like each week, man, he's putting up you know 150 yards, maybe no touchdowns, but he's you know one one game didn't he like throw a touchdown, run for a touchdown, you know caught a touchdown, sold 15 popcorns in the stands, you know. He's a talented guy, but you know what? I you feel bad for him on some level, but I'll tell you what: for a guy that completely transitioned out, he's going to get paid. Yeah, and and that's really. You know, he says all the right things, and, and, you know, I'm sure he loves playing here since he went to college in Ohio State and he grew up in Pennsylvania and whatnot, so it's all close to him. But he's going to go and get paid somewhere. I mean, he, he's, he's literally transitioned himself from being out of football to probably a 10 to $12 million a year guy in two years. Yep. So yeah, good for him, you know. I mean, and to do it, if you really want to look at it, Look at what he's doing it with. He's getting 150 yards a game or 120 to 150 yards a game with Cody Kessler or um, <laughs> RG3 or, um, you know, Kevin Hogan or, you know, with bad quarterbacks. So what's he going to do if he gets on the Patriots? You know, he'll have 200 yards a game. Exactly. And last thing on Cleveland sports. I, yeah. I don't understand anything anyone that hates LeBron James. Like he, to me, is, you know, when I was, when he was in high school and they were playing his high school games on, on ESPN and then he goes on to Cleveland and does everything he can for Cleveland and he's like the only child athlete phenom that mm-hmm. I think that's ever panned out and, and well, lived up the, to the pressure. I'll say this about LeBron, and, and, and I'm, I'm good with LeBron now. And loved him when he was here the first time until he didn't honor the city. And the way he left was really insulting to the city. You know, not that he left. The, the, I don't, and, and that's kind of the weird, the weird thing. ESPN made it look like everybody in Cleveland was pissed off because LeBron left. Nobody was pissed that he left, but you'd have to be here to get it. Mm-hmm. I mean, the guy, the guy is a legend of legends here. He's bigger than Jim Brown, oh, which yeah. in, Cle- in Cle- you know, that, that's like saying in New England, he's bigger than Tom Brady. And, <laughs> and he would be bigger than Tom Brady if, if, this was the, if he was a Celtic. Uh, I mean, that's just how he is embraced here as a, a superhero, really. And... For him to not just come out and say, look, I got to go win some championships. It's not happening here. I love you, Cleveland, but I got to go do what I got to do professionally. If he would have done that, we'd have all been hurt, but we wouldn't have been pissed. 
when he left, you know, it, it was really a hard pill to swallow. And the worst part about it, for me anyway, and, and I, and I'll, I will say it, I said it before, so I'm not going to back off it now. When he came back, he, he made, they made a big deal about he did this whole article in, you know, the local paper about, you know, about, you know, he, he was coming back to finish what he started and blah, 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 blah. And, and I personally never forgave him for when he came back until he won the championship. Because to me, you know, until he won a championship, which is what he promised when he first came to Cleveland the first time. And then he didn't honor it. So he, he really became no different than anybody else that's come here and said, yeah, well, we're going to win champion, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> you know, he was all talk. And he did it. And, and certainly <clears throat> certainly he honored the commitment and stayed the course. And, you know, two years ago, but, but I'll be honest, two years ago when he carried the NBA finals, even though the Cavs didn't win, you know, I didn't forgive him. I was still like, well, you still didn't deliver. You know, I'm a little more hard-lined with it, but now that he did, now I'm okay with it again. And winning, winning cures all, right? Well, at least he at least he honored his commitment to the town. Yeah. You know, I mean, this, and again, it goes back to the to the hero worship that this guy gets. This guy is a hero here, and they were giving him the hero worship without doing anything. You know, I mean. He, he won championships, but not here. He won them in Miami. He didn't win, and they were treating him like he was Larry Bird or Julius Irving or Wilt Chamberlain. or you know. And, and I, I never saw that as right, especially for a guy that ran his mouth you know, at the start about how he would. And, and you'd have to find the quote, but the quote was, I will not leave until Cleveland wins a championship. Oh, wow. And he did. And then he did. And it was like, oh, dude, you know, so I'm happy now, but yeah. I definitely had some years where where I did not like LeBron James. That's for sure. <laughs> well, man, it's been an absolute pleasure tonight talking with you and uh, we'll definitely have to do this again. And uh, maybe one night I can call, I'll stay up late and call into your show or however you guys do that and however you want to do that. But uh, just let everybody know, you know, uh, how to listen to you guys and then, uh, you know, plug your books, too. Sure. Well. Boy, I have a lot to plug here. Um, the, the show is the Classic Metal Show. It's on, on Saturdays on the Internet. Um, there's a bunch of places you can listen to it. Easiest way is cmsradio.net. That's the quickest, easiest way to just tune in. Um, all of our stuff is theclassicmetalshow.com. Um, Facebook is the CMS. Twitter is CMS Rocks. So we're we're everywhere on that stuff. Um I do have a couple of books or three books out, actually, that I've written. One about divorce, one about being blown up, and one about Metallica. You know, um, and those you can get over at chrisakinbooks.com. That's A-K-I-N. And, um, yeah, and that's it, really. I mean, I've my IT business, but I'm not going to plug that. Uh, so, you know, what was going out, let's play some Metallica. What Metallica song would you like to hear? Um, I'll go new. I'll go with Confusion. All right. <laughs> Any reason you want Confusion? Uh, I just love the riff in that. The da, 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 I dig that song a lot. You're listening to Talk To Me on Lost Anarchy Radio.
Hey, this is Matt Hazy from Sydney, and you're looking to talk to me.
Hey everybody, this is James Morris from LA's own Downset and Noncon, and you are definitely getting it from the horse's mouth listening to Talk To Me on Los Anarchy Radio. <laughs> And thank you again to Chris Aiken for coming on Talk To Me. Make sure you're checking out the classic metal show. I can't say it enough how much fun it is to uh, download a couple of those episodes, play them back to back on your podcast app, and have a good time. Have a good time doing it. I had to do a little double shot of Metallica there. That new Metallica album, I, I don't know why so many people are hating on it. I also don't necessarily see why so many people are in love with it, but it's a great, great album, and uh, I can't ask for much more from Metallica. They've disappointed so much much and uh, I think that's what they've done I think they've just beaten everyone down so much and so they finally throw some double bass on a record and uh, put some production behind it and play a couple of heavy metal songs and next thing you know everyone is back in love with Metallica you have to say one thing man one great thing for metal is that Metallica is number one in Billboard and number two is Bruno Mars so you know that's a great great sign for metal Hopefully that translates into other things for other people. And it looks like Metallica will be headlining not only Rock on the Range, but I, I predict prediction time here on the Talk To Me podcast that pretty much all of the Danny Wimmer festivals, Louder Than Life, uh, Carolina Rebellion, all those things, I'm pretty sure Metallica is probably going to be headlining most of those. I so wish that the Metallica would do the... the quote-unquote stadium tour and do it with Metallica and the Misfits and like Avenged Sevenfold or Volbeats or one of those bands but man how great would that be to see Metallica in stadiums just like their brethren over there in Guns N' Roses it would be great to see them in a stadium setting also a few weeks ago on the podcast I was telling you about when I went and saw Five Finger Death Punch here in Louisville and uh, with all the stuff coming out with Ivan I don't know any of the inside information I know I talked to Chris a lot but I've never actually spoken to Ivan or any of the other guys in Five finger death punch uh you know it's sad to see his spiraling going down and uh you know looking back you know we talked a lot about phil and Somo in this episode and i you know phil would get up there and he would rant and rave and you know smoke smoke acid and drop weed and you know bang your head and you know he's stumbling all over the stage and i hope we're not seeing that again in ivan ivan seems to be way more emotional when he was at the show here in louisville you know, he was, looks like he was crying. He was, uh, he was just uh, like a shell of a man up there. It was very strange. He had a, like a baseball bat, like an orange and blue, uh, blue baseball bat that he said that meant the world to him and that that was given to him at their show in Denver. And it was a big deal to him because he's from Colorado and, and all this other stuff. And he just gave it to like a little girl in the front of the, in the, in the front row of the crowd. And it was like almost in tears and he was just kind of like solemn. And, you know, I was like, what the hell is going on up there? And it was a very, very strange thing. And then a couple of days later, the whole thing about his mom, you know, he was saying from the stage that his his mom was passing as he was on stage. And, and you know, then it comes out the next day that his sister is like, you know, this is not really happening. And, you know, Ivan's a, a mess. And I just hope the best for those guys. You know, like I said, Chris is a, is a dear, dear friend of mine. And I hope that, you know, for his sake and for his career and for his future, that they get Ivan under control and, you know, maybe pull him off the road for a minute, put him in rehab, you know. Speaking of Metallica, throw him in some rehab, see what happens, man, because, you know, I want to see everyone succeed out there. Uh, if nothing else, keep Ivan in your thoughts, no matter what you think of the band. Uh, you know, they're, they're not my favorite band, but they're some of my favorite people. And, uh, you know, you just I just want to see them continue to go. <laughs> 
man, it's a mess. It is a mess. But uh, other than that, man, you guys, thank you so much. Speaking of my favorite people, you guys that check out the podcast each and every week, reach out, you know, reach out, say hello. You guys are my favorites. Uh, Patreon.com slash talk to me if you want to donate to the show. Christmas time is coming around. If you want to donate a couple of bucks to the show to show the holiday spirit and give a talk to me a few bucks, uh, that would be much, much appreciated. Also, reach out, talk to me, talk on Facebook, talk to me, talk on Twitter, talk to me, talk at gmail.com. Go over to iTunes, leave a five star rating and review. Make sure you're heading over to pockhockey.com, shopping until you're dropping, shopping until you're dropping, and uh, use the promo code TALK at checkout for 10% off your entire order. And then the last but not least, uh, I told you guys uh, last week that this week would be the Glenn Hughes episode. I had such a great time with Chris, I wanted to go ahead and get that episode out early. So next week will be my interview with Glenn Hughes. He has a great new album called Resonate Out. It's a freaking heavy album. Chad Smith plays drums on it. It's from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. A lot, a lot of great stuff, man. It was fun to talk to him. He is a, you know, a legend, rock and roll hall of famer. He was in Deep Purple, played in Black Sabbath, sang in Black Sabbath for a record. It's one of those things where you look back on the show and you can't believe that you have so many legends. And I believe Glenn Hughes will be my first rock and roll hall of famer. Hopefully not my last rock and roll hall of famer. And on that note, I am recording uh, with the Cobras and Fire podcast tomorrow night tomorrow night being tomorrow night uh, day of show the day of the the day the podcast drops that night i will be recording over there with Baco and the corpus and fire podcast and we're going to be breaking down the rock and roll hall of fame nominations who got snubbed and who do you think should be in the rock and roll hall of fame but it's going to be a lot of fun you know talking to Baco. I'm not sure if Loose Cannon is going to be on there or not. I don't know where he's been lately but uh, you know make sure you're checking out corpus and fire they've been doing so much cool stuff you know, the elder, uh, you know, doing that, man, that kiss. I still say that, that, that where they broke down all four kiss solo albums and turned them into one big giant record, uh, was such a, such a cool idea. And, uh, you know, geniuses up there, the decibel geek, uh, affiliate to Cobras and fire also to the get decibel geek podcast, hopefully be getting Chris Sinzak on here soon enough. I definitely need to, uh, need to be getting more and more of my podcast brethren on the show. And uh, also this week, it looks like I'll be recording with uh, Off Our Meds podcast. Go over and do some stuff with those guys. Man, so a lot of stuff going on and with work and kids and Christmas and everything else. I'm not sure where I'm going to find the hours to sleep. So to leave you guys this week with some Glenn Hughes off of his new album, Resonate. This song is called Flow, and it's so heavy. Such a cool groove. Hopefully you guys enjoy it. So until next Tuesday with my interview with Glenn Hughes, I am Joshua Toomey, and this has been the Talk To Me podcast.
something to say I killed your baby today 